Good morning. First of all, thank you so much for the birthday wishes. That was <laughs> quite unexpected. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. And those things always get me. I always used to love to do that when I was a Sunday school superintendent. We'd shake the, the church box and the kids would come up the thing. And I think we used to do it for anniversaries too. I, I don't remember, but, but that was, it was always a lot of fun. I was actually uh, a little bit late getting here this morning. I woke up and we got going and, and I came downstairs and Kayla had made breakfast and Lo and behold, she made me uh, bacon and eggs and the whole thing, and I, I'm just like, man, I'm so I'm gonna sit here and eat my breakfast, and I don't care. So I sat there and eat. So if I meant I was a little late, uh, too bad. I was late, so but I I enjoyed my breakfast. So <laughs> yeah, it is true. If I'm uh, today's my birthday. I, you know, I don't make a try not to make a big deal out of that. Uh, yeah, 50 years ago in Nuremberg, Germany, I entered the world and, and uh, you know, das ist gut and all that. And, you know, it was just a, so, but, uh, and, uh, you know, we lived over there for, I guess, a year and a half or so. And then we came back to the States. And, of course, I don't remember any of it, but, except for one thing. I remember when I was an infant, I don't know why, you know, I don't know if this actually happened or if I just imagined it happening and somehow it came, you know, it's now a memory or something. But I remember my mom ordering a pizza. And in Germany, sometimes they'll bring you your pizza, but they'll have a raw egg over the, over the pizza. So we're like, ooh, wonderful. And I, I can remember my mom going, eh, that's all I remember is just an egg on a pizza. You know, so I don't know what that means, but. Uh. Well, you know, Christmas time is coming. And uh, all of us are getting prepared. And you know Christmas is getting closer. The Hallmark channels are really cranking them out now. You know, we're getting closer to, to, the, to, the, to the holiday. And, and uh, you know, one of the things I was thinking about is how for many people, you know, with Christmas, people who are not Christians, I mean, what is Christmas? It's Santa Claus and gift giving and getting and, and, you know, how much loot can I get and, you know, that kind of thing. And for so many people, you know, Christmas, they, they, they miss it. They miss what Christmas is, you know. So we always talk about Christmas is coming, Christmas is coming. Well, <clears throat> I think another way to think about it is if Christmas comes. If Christmas comes, for some people, they'll, they'll get it. Those who don't know Jesus... Christmas doesn't really come for them. It's just a, another holiday. It's just another thing that, that we deal with, that we look at. And, uh, you know, it, I think, you know, for some people, every year Christmas comes and goes, and they have wonderful times, and they visit family, and they do all of that. And, but Christmas never really comes for them. They never actually get to experience what Christmas is really about. And so my prayer is for today is that, you know, all of us, you know, as we think about Christmas, it, it becomes more than just gift-giving and, and parties and social events and, and those types of things. But we start to remember what Christmas is really about. It's about the birth of our Savior, uh, the birth of Christ come into this world uh, to be the, uh, ultimately the Savior for us from our sins and in the future to come and be our king 
to uh, bring to completion all that God has planned for, for us as people. You know, the social side of Christmas has begun too. It's not just the Black Friday stuff and all the advertising in the movies, but, you know, people are, uh, are really interested in uh, the festivals, going to parties, enjoying ourselves, uh, sending out Christmas cards. How many of you send out Christmas cards? We got a few card writers out there. We tried it one year or two and just couldn't keep up with it. And, uh, <clears throat> I read a story about a guy that, uh, there was a guy in uh, Salt Lake City. One year he decided he was going to send out 600 Christmas cards to total strangers. Just to spread the Christmas joy, the spirit, you know, the whole thing. And So he got telephone directories from several cities. And he addressed 600 cards to people he had never met put his return address on the envelope, and he mailed him out. Just wondering, you know, what's, what's going to happen? I'm spreading Christmas cheer. Amazingly, he received 117 responses from total strangers. One lady wrote, It was so good to hear from you. From you. Your card arrived the day I got home from the hospital, and I can't tell you what an encouragement it was to hear from an old friend. <laughs> Another wrote, I, I have to admit that when we received your card, we couldn't really picture you. We had to think hard for a long time before we remembered. By the way, please give our regards to your father. He's such a wonderful man. But the one that takes the cake, one guy wrote, it was so good to hear from you after all these years. By the, by the way, we're going to be in Salt Lake City next summer. Would it be all right if we came and spent a few days with you? So, yeah. So you need to be careful who you send out those Christmas cards to. You never know what we got going. We got one in the mail the other night, and uh, it was funny because we knew who it was, and we pulled the picture out, and we were looking at it. Oh, it's Regina. It's Regina. What's Regina's last name? What was her last name? I don't remember, but it's Regina. Yeah, we, we got it. But the social part of Christmas is here. We enjoy those things. But will Christmas really, really come for people? You know, here on earth, we've, we've you know, 360 revolutions, and we've gone around the, the sun, and we're right back on schedule, and Christmas time again. But does it really come for some people? That's the question, for there are several things that have to happen before Christmas really comes into the hearts of people and within their lives. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Galatians chapter 4. And again, this year I'm on purpose, I'm trying to pick things that aren't normally you would find in Christmas. I never thought about it. I, you know, I got the privilege of preaching for almost two years. I can't imagine. Some, some people preach for 50, 60 years. I mean, how do you keep Christmas fresh? The 60th time you've, you've gone through, you know. Well, in Galatians chapter 5, or excuse me, chapter 4, 419, Paul's writing to the church in Galatia. And 419 says, My children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you, 
but I could wish to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I'm perplexed about you. What in the world does that have to do with Christmas? Well, I like that verse 19. My children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. In other words, my dear children, for whom I am again in pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. In you, in other words, I'm waiting for Christ to come into your lives, into the lives of all of you. For he has not yet come into the lives of everybody, and it pains me. It hurts me. I'm like somebody in labor. Oh, when will they come to Christ? I remember uh, one night there was a, it was like a revival, and this is probably 25 years ago, and we had a preacher by the name of Billy Gallagher was here. And Billy, uh, I think he had been retired by then, and he struck up a relationship or a friendship with some of the, the older folks in the church, and I can't remember her name, but she had never been baptized, and, and she, he gave a, like an invitation, and she got up and started to come up, and I thought he was going to jump off the stage. He was so excited. He was jumping up and down, clapping his hands, and yes, 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 you know, how just how happy he was. It's almost as if, you know, he spent a lot of time talking to this person and investing in, in, in them and doing this. And yes, it, you know, it, it happened. That's somebody who's just, I want you to, to know Christ. I want you to know who he is. I want you to understand how Jesus came into the world and removed every obstacle between you and the Father so that you can freely come to God. But so many of us, unfortunately, live our lives in a way where the coming of Christ has little meaning. And so we miss it. We miss Christmas. We miss the idea of it. We often talk about being born again when we become a Christian. You know, Christmas is a good time to remind us of our need for Jesus and to be born again in our lives, in our, our families, our relationships. I think that's what Paul was praying for, what he was talking about. How wonderful it is for Christ to be in, in the lives and in the hearts of, of people. And Paul p was pained that there were those who did not know Christ, who had it all there. The way was made between them and God, and they refused to take it. And that hurt Paul. And that should hurt us. When we think about here at Christmas time, those who don't know Christ, that should hurt us in some way. More than just, ah, it's a shame. And you think about how will Christmas come and how do we think about it and we, with our Advent season and we think about the Christmas accounts in the Bible and Matthew and Luke. You know, we read about Mary and Joseph making their way from Nazareth uh, to Bethlehem. Uh, you read about the crowds, all the people who came to pay their taxes. It was a busy, busy time. It's Christmas for us is a very busy time. People coming and going, and you know, if somehow time was warped and Jesus was to come today, you know, maybe Jesus and Mary and Joseph, you know, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. You know, they were 
you know, rushing through the clouds or through the uh, crowds on Black Friday, running to the, you know, just people everywhere. One thing I like about the story is how Luke takes us through the whole story of the shepherds and the angels and of Jesus being born and then being wrapped in swaddling clothes, placed in a manger. But then he adds something, you know, that we can easily miss. And Wrapped up in that story is how Mary and Joseph, as they came to pay the tax, and there was no room for them in the inn. No place. And it talks about the innkeeper basically saying, look, I, you know, I got a stable or a, there's a, a place out back. Now that stable could very well have been a cave. Uh, they weren't picky, just some place to put the animals. That's all that they had. Now the Bible doesn't really go into whether or not the innkeeper was a good guy, a bad guy. I guess in my mind I'd always seen him kind of as a villain. We ain't got no room for you. You can go sleep with the sheep, or something like that, and off they, you know. Well, the, the, the innkeeper may have been a very nice man, a very good man, maybe a God-fearing man, but he was being honest. Look, we're busy. We got people, more than we can handle. We don't have any place. The Bible doesn't say he was bad, or that he was good, or he was right, or that he was wrong in what he did. He just... You know, forever you get this idea of this crowded inn that shut out Jesus. You know, in many ways I've heard preachers and authors talk about, you know, it's very symbolic of how, you know, we live very crowded and cluttered lives that, that we're so busy. We don't allow the Savior to, to come into our life. And we're continually telling Jesus, sorry Jesus, I don't have room for you uh, in my life right now. Why don't you, you go back to the stables and... If I need you, I know where you're at. You know, that kind of thing. It's not that we're bad people. It's just that we're really busy people. we got a lot of things going on around this time of year. Our schedules are really full. But my challenge to you is to make some time for him here at Christmas. Don't be like that innkeeper who said, I'm sorry, I, I, I just don't have time. I don't have time for you right now. I got lists to, to check off, and I got presents to buy, and I got all kinds of things. I got a bake, and away we go. You know, I think of other things that have to happen for Christmas to really come into the lives of people, and we have to desire Him. There's a part of me that, that wants Him to come. You know, I want His blessings, but there are many times I didn't want his cross. Sure, I want Jesus to, to bless me, you know, but, but I want his forgiveness, but I don't want his judgment. I want his salvation, but I'm not so sure that I really want to serve. You know, I want a Savior, but I'm not so sure I want that, that Savior to be able to tell me what to do. You know, but as I read the Bible, I'm convinced that the one thing Jesus teaches over and over again is that we have to make his kingdom one of our top priorities. Not just at Christmas time. There are a couple of little parables in the Bible that Jesus talks about. 
And I bet I've read over this one a hundred times and have just totally missed it. But in Matthew chapter 13, there's a Jesus is kind of going around, he's telling people about uh, the kingdom of, of God. He calls it the kingdom of heaven. In this case, you know, I am here. God, is his plan is working in the lives of people. His plan is taking place now as we talk about it. God is active in the world. We talk about the kingdom of God, the future kingdom of God. Okay, that's to come. But in, in the Bible, sometimes it talks about the kingdom of heaven. And in this sense, it's not talking really about a place, but an idea, an attitude, uh, a movement, a power of, of God working in the hearts of people. You've got to understand the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. In other words, God's Savior is here. He's with us. And we can take part in that. The fact that Christ was there and he was available. Uh, ch uh, verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. And that must have been one heck of a pearl. When I was... Uh, very young, well, not very young, but teenager, my cousin and I used to sell comic books. I don't mean just like garage sale. I mean, we went to Comic-Con, and we went to all the big conventions, Indianapolis, down through Cincinnati, I mean, all over the state. And we would, my job, of course, being the, the youngest, I was about five or six years younger than the rest of them, I had to lug all the, the big boxes of comics into the place, you know, poof, you know I'd set them up and... Man, they must have had 15, 20 boxes of comics set up. And then we'd set up a display, and all the really pricey ones would be up there, you know, and all this. And I remember one time I was shocked because there was this uh, other dealer who had this one particular comic that my cousin had looked for for years and years. And there it was. And when he went to get the that comic, he came back and he said, box it all up. Basically, he traded the, his entire stock. I mean, boxes and boxes and boxes of comics and pulling them off the thing all to trade for that one book that he had held out for that he never thought he'd find. He, and I'm like, you're crazy. What are you, <laughs> oh, no, there goes Fantastic Four. Oh, Conan, number one. No, oh, you know, Spider-Man is gone, you know. But he got the book he wanted, and that was it. You know, the kingdom of God is like that. If you don't want to think about a pearl merchant, think about a comic book dealer. Kingdom of, of heaven's like a comic book dealer seeking that one comic. And once he finds that one comic, he went and he sold all that he had, he, he bought it. There are people that spend great amounts of money on things like that. Why? Because it means something to them. It's important to them. And in the life of a Christian, the point that Jesus is making here is that in, 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 <laughs> once you find that one pearl, that one thing of value, once you find that kingdom of, of God, nothing else matters. 
The merchant, the, the, the book of Matthew talks about, he gave it all up for that one pearl. He didn't give up some of it. He didn't keep back some for himself. Now he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. You know, Jesus says, I'll take everything you have. Everything. Everything you are, every part of your life has to focus on this one great treasure, which is the kingdom of God. Have you given it to God? Are you holding back? You know, Jesus wants it all. He doesn't just want the the, the, the good stuff, you got to give him the cruddy stuff too. He wants it all. And then, and then you'll find that one thing that really matters the most, that you're a part of the kingdom of God. You know, I think Christmas will never really be Christmas for us as long as we just have a casual desire for entering the kingdom of God. Finally, if Christmas is going to mean something, you know, for me, I have to constantly deal with pride and, and those issues. And, you know, coming to Christmas with a feeling of humility, to be humble. That the world isn't all about me, okay? That... My job isn't all about me and, and the things I do. I mean, it's about other people and serving others. That's, that's what it really ought to be about. And not worry about what title you have or, or what, what you're doing. Now, I didn't grow up on a farm. We, we lived out in the, the country. But my grandmother, she was on a farm. My mom grew up on a farm. <clears throat> when I was real little, we went down to the farm and uh, my, uh, one of my uncles was a butcher. He had a butcher shop right there on the farm. And I remember being little because I was like, uh, I got to be there when they were going to butcher a cow. I was, for some reason, I thought that was awesome. Well, butcher a steer. This is, you know, and I remember they, they kept telling me, now when they bring the cow in, you, you got to, I forget what they said. They made up some story, like, you can't look at the cow because he'll get mad. He might come get you. So when the cow comes in, you've got to turn around and look over here. So, okay, I'm like, here comes the cow, and I don't want to make him mad. Bang! And I turn around, there's the cow laying there, on, you know, and their butcher comes in, he's ready to go, do-do-do-do. And I remember just being like, this is the greatest thing that ever happened. And I was running around in there, and I stepped in manure all the way up to my, up to my knee. I mean, I was pretty small then. And so we had to drive all the way from Gallipolis all the way back to Urbana with me smelling like cow. You know, what a wonderful thing, you know. But uh, visiting, going to that was just a big deal. And I often wonder, is this what it's like on a farm, on a dairy farm? My principal used to work as a dairy farmer. He said, oh yeah, there's, there's plenty of manure around, John. There's plenty of manure. And it gets pretty nasty and messy. And the, the paddock can get, they run through there and trample it. It's all mud and nastiness. You know, when I think about that, I think about what I saw 
you know, this big animal and the mooing. And then the, the butcher going to work, doing his thing. And, and I remember the manure up to my knees and just like, man, I want to be a farmer. I just want to be, you know. But when I think of Bethlehem and I think of that stable, I think of Jesus and Mary, I don't think of a nice, sterile, clean little place. They put him in the stable where it stunk. It probably smelled like my uncle's butcher shop. Nastiness, manure, all mixed in. And I see Mary and Joseph entering into that stable. We've got to find a clean place here. We've got these cows and these, get that sheep out of here. And Oh yeah, Mary's about to have a baby. The Savior of the world. And I marvel that God would bring the Messiah, His Son, into the world in that, that way. He wasn't at the, the Ritz. He wasn't at some five-star. He wasn't even in the nice uh, uh, place where the innkeeper was. No, he got stuck in the, in the back. Yet that was for a reason. Even being born in a stable. It was as if you know, the father said, I'm taking away everything. Every little thing. There's nothing that stands between us. There's no room for arrogance no room for pride. You can't look at Christ and say, oh, he's so perfect in this and that. I'm a loser. I could never know him. No! The Savior of the world, your Savior, was born in a stable. God, through his wisdom, took away all of the barriers between us and God himself. And through the doors of that stable come sheep, cows, livestock, Mary and Joseph, and each of us have to go through that stable as well. We come to worship Him, our Savior. And without anything to brag about, we've got to go into that stable where our Lord is and say, Here I am, Lord. Use me. I've got nothing. And you humbled yourself. The Son of God humbled, you know, as, as, a, as a baby in a, in a stinky, nasty manger. I think about, you know, what Christmas is like. And I think for all of us, we should take time and think about Christmas as the, uh, not just gift giving and presents and, and those types of things, but think about Jesus. Think about your Savior and think about what, how many people miss Christmas. I confessed, I often get, somehow the black magic happens and I get sucked into watching these Hallmark movies and so I'm like watching them and Sure enough, at the end of the movie, they'll they'll throw a nod to the real meaning of Christmas. Usually, there'll be a star or twinkle or something, and the you know and that and that'll be the end of the show. And I think about that, and and so many people we miss what Christmas really is. You know, that little star was not meant to be an afterthought. 
It's not the end of the show that signals the end is here. I love the idea that God used a star in the heavens to guide the wise men to the Christ. But also a, a star that, that sort of signified that the Savior of the world is here. The Messiah has come. The Messiah that you're all waiting for, that you're all hoping to come someday, He's here. Follow that star. Because what does a star do? A star is a tiny pinpoint of light. The darkness does not consume light. Light pierces the darkness. We used to have a home that we used to have, uh, we had an attached garage, and you'd open the door and it's pitch black in there. But the light would, from the hall would just spill out into the, out into the garage. That's what the light of, of Christ does for us. That light pierces the darkness. When I look up in the night and I see the stars, I think about that star of Bethlehem and how Jesus coming into this world pierced the darkness for us. Removing all obstacles between us and God. There is nothing between you and God that will stop you except for you. And so many people refuse to take that step, to refuse to understand and to see that God has removed everything. I can freely come to him just as I am. That's what Christmas really is. That's the story of Christmas. And so many of us, we just miss it. And so for many people, Christmas never really comes for them. It's just a holiday. It's something to do. It, it, uh, some time off at school. It's, uh, you know, something that we get stuff and give stuff and try to find meaning in our lives apart from Christ. But God has done everything to make it possible for us to be freed from sin. He has done everything to make it possible for us to spend eternity with Him, within His kingdom. And my prayer to you today, if you're not a Christian, is that you would think about these things. At least consider the fact that God, He opened the way for you. You ever walk up to the door and somebody holds the door for you? Here, I got this for you. Here, most people will thank you. They'll walk right in. And yet God's been holding the door open for people for a long time. And people get to the door and they're like, I can get my own door. That doorway is there. It's open for you. And my prayer this Christmas is that we'll think about what Christmas really is. And that you not miss Christmas this year. Think about what Christmas is all about. If Christmas comes to your house... Say a prayer of blessing, a prayer of thanksgiving to God for making the way. For it's only through his son Jesus that we find salvation. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, and I thank you for these wonderful, beautiful people. They're so kind to me, and uh, Lord, I really, uh, I really appreciate that, and, and I love them. Lord, it's my prayer that you would bless them this year. Bless the, uh, the visitors that we have 
May we all really find Christmas this year and and for once be able to, to look and say, you know what, this is Christmas is about the Savior of the world and and that's my prayer for everyone here today. Father, we love you and we give you thanks for this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen.